I mean, I can hear the dialogue in my head right now. You know, mm-hmm. like there's so many great lines from that movie um, that, you know, if you weren't around to know about Johnny Carson, you don't know what here's Johnny even means. Right. You just know it's from that movie. So, Nebraska mm-hmm. native. Yeah, right? <laughs> so pretty cool. You're listening to Atlas Now Streaming, the podcast where we review your favorite movies, television shows, and documentaries available on streaming platforms. Atlas Now Streaming is produced by Atlas Medstaff with your host, Jamie Zarlingo. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Atlas Now Streaming. My name is Jamie, I am your host. It is October, we're going to continue with some classic scary movies this month. This week, uh, I'd consider this a classic horror film. It didn't start off that way, but it has definitely become one over the years. I'm talking about The Shining. The Shining is based on a 1977 novel by Stephen King, of course. came out in 1980. As far as where it's available to watch, it's not actually available on anything streaming, but you can rent it on iTunes, Amazon Prime, YouTube, and of course, uh, DVD (laughs) rental. Uh, Today I have... um, Brian Peterson and Eric Stapp with me today. Uh, thanks for joining me, guys. Certainly. Glad to be here. So these guys told me that The Shining is their favorite scary movie, so thought I'd bring them along. Uh, typical format of these podcasts, we're going to talk about the plot first. Uh, this movie stars uh, Jack Nicholson as Jack Torrance. I think he does a phenomenal job in this movie. I'm probably one of his better known films I'd say Um, he plays Jack Torrance who is um, he's a recovering alcoholic and aspiring writer Uh, his wife Wendy is played by Shelley Duvall um, and their son Danny Torrance played by Danny Lloyd I don't is he in anything else I don't think so I don't think he did anything after that it was just the shining and that's it (laughs) yep kind of like Linda Blair did she ever do anything besides the exorcist uh yes but it wasn't very good (laughs) Okay. Um, I would say those are our three main characters. We also have Scatman Crothers in this yep. movie. Good old Scatman. Yeah, who plays the uh, the chef who also has um, the shine ability, but we'll get into that in a minute. Um, so Jack is, he's a writer, recovering alcoholic. Um, he gets an interview at the Overlook Hotel to um, fill the position of a winter caretaker. Um, they close in the winter months, so they need somebody there to uh, just kind of take care of the place and it's the hotel itself is actually built on an indian burial ground which is just you know sets it up for a scary scary story ghost story um and it's uh the manager stewart who warns him that the previous caretaker got cabin fever went insane killed himself and his family and jack's like nah they'll be fine and it'll be nice and quiet so he can get to his writing um, but Danny doesn't want to go. Danny has, uh, like I said, the ability to, um, like ESP psychic ability, but it's called the shining, hence the name of the movie slash novel. 
Um, but he doesn't want to go. He actually has a, a premonition about the hotel. And if I'm not mistaken, it's the uh, the elevator scene, right? That's what he sees. Yeah. Yep. And so he's like, I don't want to go there, Mrs. Torrance. <laughs> he, um, he has an imaginary friend named Tony. And uh, he always calls his mother Mrs. Torrance, which he's just kind of an eccentric guy. A lot of these scary movies have... It's kind of a weird kid character. Kids are scary. They are scary. Yeah, could be. That's why I don't have any. <laughs> um, but uh, he doesn't want to go. And I guess um, I'm not sure how much they go into this in the book, but um, there was a previous incident with Danny and his father where he physically abused him. Yeah, so that he's given up drinking because of that. Um, so the family arrives at the hotel. They're given a tour. This is where we meet um, the chef. Is it? How do you pronounce his last Mr. name? Mr. Halloran. Halloran. Okay. Mm-hmm. Scatman. Um, he surprises Danny by speaking with him telepathically, offers him some ice cream, and that's when he explains to Danny the gift that both uh, the chef and his grandmother had called The Shining. Danny asks if there's anything to be afraid of in the hotel, particularly room 237, and we're actually going to talk about that in the second half, but getting on with the plot, um, he tells him that the host the hotel itself has a shine to it, along with many memories. Not all of them are good, and he specifically tells him, do not go into that room. So it's been a month. Jack's writing is not going very well, and meanwhile, Danny and Wendy are just uh, kind of having fun at the hotel. There's um, a, a hedge maze that they go play in. Jack discovers a model of the maze, and it actually shows Wendy and Danny inside it. Um, in one of the lounges. Wendy is concerned about uh, the phone lines being out due to the heavy snowfall, and Danny starts having these pretty pretty spooky visions, and I believe one of them is of the Grady twins that have become kind of iconic in uh, horror lore, I guess. And a fun fact, I learned this in doing a little bit of research, they weren't actually twins in the book. Yeah, they were not in the book at all. But uh, I would say just that image of them in the hallway, come play with us, is pretty pretty iconic. Most people know what that's from, even if they've never seen the movie. Um, and at the same time, as he's having all these visions, um, Jack is kind of slowly starting to lose his mind. He starts acting very strange and frustrated and prone to violent outbursts. Um, Danny's curiosity about that that room he's not supposed to go in, he finally it finally gets the better of him. And he uh, sees the room's been opened, and so he goes inside. And later he shows up um, that he's been injured, visibly traumatized, and it causes Wendy to think that Jack is drinking again and physically abused him again, which uh, we find out it actually wasn't him. Um, Jack wanders into the hotel's gold room where he meets the ghostly bartender Lloyd, who serves him bourbon on the rocks, and Jack is kind of complaining about his marriage to him and... um, Wendy shows up later, apologizes for accusing Jack of uh, abusing Danny and uh, says that Danny said that there was this crazy lady that actually was responsible for it. So Jack goes and investigates. And this is, I guess, I'd say another pretty iconic scene. He goes in and there's this young naked woman taking a bath and she comes out of the bath and she goes to kiss him. And then uh, out of nowhere, she turns into this rotting old woman cackling at him and he runs out of the room but then he tells Wendy that he didn't actually see anything um I remember that part yeah that part is scary and actually we'll talk about this more later so there's the film and then there's the tv miniseries that was made years later and I remember this scene being both of them are really creepy but in the remake it was 
I think a little bit creepier in my opinion, mm. but I, that could be just me. The, the original is pretty creepy. They're both creepy. It's just, you know, rotting old lady. Okay. So Wendy and Jack are starting to argue whether Danny should be removed from the hotel, you know, increasing visions. And now he's being physically abused by an unknown source. Um, Jack keeps going back to that bar, which um, it's now filled with ghosts having a costume party. And that's where he meets who he believes to be the previous caretaker, Grady, who tells Jack he needs to correct his wife and child. And then uh, later, Jack sabotages the hotel's two-way radio and the snowcat, cutting off communication and access from the outside world. And uh, Mr. Lauren uh, went to Florida. Uh, and while he's there, he gets a premonition that something's, you know, not going right at the hotel. So he actually gets a flight back uh, to investigate what's going on. This is also the part where Danny starts calling out, again, iconic red rum and writing it all over the place. And when he finds out, just flipping it around, it says murder. So, uh, and now he's kind of in a trance. He's referring to himself as Tony. Danny's not here, Mrs. Torrance, you know, with with the finger. Mm. <laughs> uh, and... Uh, then Wendy discovers Jack's typewriter. He's typed over and over and over. All work, no play makes Jack a dull boy. So she's starting to figure out something's not right. Um, and then there's the bat scene where uh, Wendy is trying to protect herself from Jack. And Jack's like, give me the bat, Wendy. And she, uh, I believe she knocks him out. And then uh, she locks him up in the kitchen pantry. And then Jack talks with Grady, who actually unlocks the door and lets him out. And then this is where... Uh, Wendy uh, kind of barricades herself and Jack gets the axe and starts hacking through the door. Here's Johnny. In a frantic maneuver, Wendy sends Danny out through the bathroom window, just unable to fit through it herself, and that's when he starts chopping down the door. Um, but then Wendy slashes his hand with a butcher knife, and that's when uh, the chef shows back up and Jack actually hacks him with the axe and he dies. Um, Jack then is chasing after Danny in the hedge. This is a great scene. Um, and Danny, really smart for his age, kind of lures him away. Um, and then Wendy and Danny get away and Jack freezes to death out in the cold. And then probably one of the coolest scenes is, uh, the camera slowly zooms in on an old photograph taken at the hotel on 4th of July, 1921. And Jack is in the front smiling. So I'm not really sure exactly what that means. Does it mean that he just kind of becomes a part of the hotel? Like, I guess if you don't believe, you know, that time is linear, that he's just kind of always a part of the history or if he was part of it all along. Yeah. I'm not really sure, but it's definitely creepy. Um, Definitely didn't say everything that happens in that movie, but just kind of a brief synopsis. I still think it's one of the creepiest films of all time, one of the best horror movies. But like I said, it didn't start off that way. Um, it didn't do very well in the box office, did it? I don't think so. No, it didn't start off very well. It kind of got mixed reviews. Um, but over time, I'd say it's still kind of a cult following. It, and fo- it followed... One of Kubrick, well, Kubrick's worst film. So that might be the reason why Barry Lyndon. Have you ever seen it? No. I've just seen parts, and it looks 
What's it about? Terrible. I can't even tell you. There's some <laughs> wigs and there's a canoe and it's uh, it was by far his worst movie ever. Yeah. So Ooh. that might be why. Yeah. Hmm. Jack Nicholson had just done uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Yeah. Too. So I know Stephen King was a little upset about that. Just going back to back on those movies. Hmm. Uh, similar type of uh, psychopath yeah. character. That one's a good one too. I actually read that book in high school and I would say, didn't he win an Oscar for that one? Yeah. I'm not mistaken. Um, unlike Kubrick's previous works, which developed audiences gradually through word of mouth, The Shining was released as a mass market film. Initially opening in two U.S. cities on Memorial Day, then nationwide within a month. And the European release of The Shining a few months later was 25 minutes shorter. Kubrick actually removed most of the scenes taking place outside of the um, environment of the hotel, which I didn't know. That's pretty interesting. Um, but yeah, it's, it was edited a couple of times, which I also didn't know. Is there a reason behind that? I think there was an alternative ending too. Hmm. Interesting. But, um, it's kind of not, I would say a little known fact It's pretty well known that, uh, Stephen King did not like the movie because it diverted very far from the novel. Um, and both, uh, Eric and, Brian have actually read the novel. So uh, before we get into uh, some of the differences and uh, the mini series and also the conspiracy theory about Room 237, let's real quick talk about what else we are watching. Now, let's take a quick break for our segment, Side Streaming, where we catch up on some of the other content we're watching on Netflix, Hulu, Prime, and more. Brian, what else are you watching? I was just trying to think about what I'm watching because I literally <laughs> don't watch anything ever anymore. Um, I suppose... Is there a movie you've seen recently? Um, boy. Something new or something you rewatched because of spooky um, season? Yeah, something spooky. Probably would be uh, uh, Charlie Brown's <laughs> Halloween special is on tonight, I believe. So I'll probably be watching that with my three-year-old. But um, otherwise, we were actually talking about that in the last episode. Rich yeah. was watching it. <laughs> otherwise, I think um, I'm trying to stay current with The Walking Dead if I if I can. Yeah. Yeah. How is that going? I kind of trailed off. I haven't been paying it's attention. It's probably okay that you did. <laughs> no, that's. I am a. Uh, glutton for punishment and i am also a completist so i feel like i've spent all these hours of my life i'm not just <laughs> gonna give it up yet yeah. i have to see how it ends rich was saying the first episode was not good but the second one was actually okay of this year yeah hmm. yeah i suppose i could i could probably buy that <laughs> okay yeah. uh eric what else are you watching a lot of college football okay <laughs> yeah it's that time <clears throat> unfortunately um what am i watching um, I probably more movies right now. Okay. Because I I don't feel like there's any series out there that uh nothing really in your interest. Not really. So once upon a time in Hollywood, I watched that. How twice. was that? Uh, I loved it. Yeah. Some people hate it. They say there's no plot, but if you're into the Charlie Manson mm -hmm. and Sharon Tate whole deal, that's kind of like an outside plot to the movie and it kind of ties it together and obviously you know mm -hmm. Brad Pitt I mean it's just great acting and the second time I watched it I just realized it's, it's really actually just a comedy 
Okay. Um, it's great. Uh, what else am I watching? I mean, obviously, I want to see that new Breaking Bad movie. Ooh, El I was going to I was going to talk about that. Um, I watched the It Chapter Two. Chapter Two. Yeah. Also Stephen King. I mm-hmm. guess I did see that. Yeah, that's yeah. probably my most recent. I haven't seen the White Knight. I've been wanting to. Is it worth it? Um, it's not bad. But I'm a huge Stephen King fan. I just I grew up yeah. reading all his books. Probably yep. like I probably started reading his books and like probably probably too early. That was and my that ex- experience. Explains a lot of things <laughs> third, about myself. Third grade, I started reading Pet Cemetery. Oh yeah. too young. no! Yeah, it's about no. the same age I started. So the cool thing about Stephen King books is that he intertwines characters throughout mm-hmm. books, and mm-hmm. most of them take place in Maine or Oregon. So as you continue to read, these same characters they'll pop up. Hmm. Um, so it has a couple of those characters in there. Yeah, Ray ba- or was it Ray ba- or? Anyhow, they intersect in a lot of these books. So even though a lot of his movies or books that were made into movies are absolutely terrible, he's got a ton of good ones. And The Shining is probably the top one. And I know we'll kind of get into the feud between Stephen King and mm-hmm. Stanley Kubrick because Stephen King absolutely despises him. Oh. And I guess one other thing that I would add is that I read a book that Stephen King wrote and was just on writing. On writing, yeah. And he pretty much says that he was so intoxicated <laughs> writing the book that he doesn't even remember it and that he basically is Jack Torrance, more or less. Wow. That's he said that cool. he would drink about a case of beer a night and amongst other things, yeah. and then he would wake up and he had no idea what he was doing. Wow. I've heard the same thing about it, that he just drug-fueled writing that book and a thousand pages i mean that's got to be part of it (laughs) how much can you write and tommy knocker and all of his classic books really were in that long cocaine and booze heyday of the late 70s and 80s right salem's lot like Mm -hmm. all the the really good spooky ones he's I don't know. He hasn't had a lot of spooky ones lately, but no. they're still good. What's his last really good book that you think? Uh, I really liked Mr. Mercedes. I haven't read that one. That's that series. I really like those. Did you read Dr. Sleep, which mm-hmm. is the follow-up yeah. for Mm-mm. Danny Torrance? That yeah. was not bad. Like Basically, yeah. if I remember it correctly, basically emotional vampires. Yep. That's pretty much what it was. Hmm. Yeah. They're out there. Yeah. Nice. I unfortunately have, I love to read, but I've never read a full Stephen King novel, but I got time. I, yeah, I got time. They're not going anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what am I watching? Um, so I did watch El Camino. I actually did see it in theaters. Um, there's a local theater here uh, for you guys that aren't from Omaha called Alamo Draft House. They do a lot of throwbacks and um, also like limited theatrical releases. So I saw that on Friday. It was definitely more fun to see it in theaters. Um, if you're a fan of Breaking Bad, like I am, I've talked about Breaking Bad a lot on this podcast. Um, it For Breaking Bad fans, it's it's good. It's fun. It's you know got a lot of cameos, past characters, a lot of flashbacks. Um, I think the main criticism is that it's not necessary. It didn't need to be made. It didn't need to happen. It really doesn't add anything to the story. But it's fun. If you like Breaking Bad, you'll like it. And that's really all you need, I think. There's a lot of, in my opinion, there's a lot of these shows that get brought back that just don't 
need to be brought back. It's like, just leave it alone. It's fine the way it is. We don't need a new, I don't care. I don't need all these reboots. I feel like a lot of those shows can learn from El Camino. Like if you want to do something like that, just do that. You know, it doesn't have to be a movie, but just something just one and done. You don't need a whole new season. You don't need multiple seasons. Like I think Will and Grace just got canceled after being rebooted like three seasons you don't need all that yeah i feel like they could learn from this if you're gonna do it do it right and i think they did it right i'm also watching um schitt's creek season five just got put out on netflix either you guys familiar with that show i like it oh it's great um watching that uh that's really all i've had time for recently i've been watching a lot of disney movies with my kid so (laughs) yep i know that one yep um haven't really had a chance to watch anything too spooky just yet. Um, like I've said, my husband doesn't care for that stuff. So if I have to watch it, it's going to be alone. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that is what else we're watching. Brian, let me ask you this. Yeah. Growing up, reading Stephen King books, mm-hmm. do you feel like that made you more open in real life to just kind of believing in say things like telepathy esp ghosts vampires things like that Mm. or was it just just strictly entertainment i think it probably helped i mean it (laughs) it like gave me those things earlier in time than i would have found out on my own you know um i think it definitely kind of like implanted some of his phrasing and just the way he goes into detail. Um, so much detail. I mean, he'll write five pages about what, you know, what's on your t-shirt, you know? So like <laughs> that sort of like paying attention to detail, I think I learned from reading his books. Hmm. Learned some probably yeah. some pretty cool cuss words. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I, I learned a lot about kind of a lot about music because oh. he's always referencing songs and lyrics and bands and he still does that. Cars cars um pop culture yeah i mean i feel like he's pretty plugged in for being a grandpa even still current today you know um but yeah i think i don't think it really changed any beliefs that i have but it just probably i don't know it really was my world do you remember like you could basically it was like a subscription you'd buy the book or like on tv you had a phone number you could call it and you'd get Must like be 18 a, or older had it's like a hardback <laughs> book and he was in the commercials for it i remember that it was like a subscription mm-hmm. service that's how you oh, got his that's books. cool it was kind of neat he was churning them out that fast too he which still is does. really just pro yeah. i mean he's a prolific writer yeah I mean. yeah he's one of those guys that writes every day on purpose and sees sees what happens but i think he still puts out two to three books a year still and he's in his 70s now so eric you brought up being more open to it was there a reason have you well witnessed I've, anything i've <laughs> I don't know. Well, maybe. This this kind of ties our spooky podcast mm, yeah, all together. Does, yeah. <laughs> For sure. Um, I think that reading his books at a young age definitely opened up my imagination and gave me, you know, a real respect for books. And then, you know, if you read the book, you're definitely going to watch the movie. Yeah. I mean, even if the movie you heard was terrible, you still want to see oh, yeah. who played which character. 
and just cool to see it you know unfold in real life it is and he's pretty i wouldn't i don't know if the word sentimental but like brian was talking about how he sets the scene with the you know the pop culture that's going on at the time the cars the music what's going on on the radio he's obviously a big baseball fan he comes on my rear for the college world series wait does he really mm-hmm. what yeah what? i think he still does yeah he, i didn't know that every year yeah and um you know and like i have a nurse that she's from maine we talk about stephen king all the time oh, i was like cool. that's how i learned about maine and she's like it's not too far off <laughs> jokingly but yeah. maybe not so much um but then what that does, I think, you know, it gives you an appreciation for turning books into movies. And just, I, can, I have an English degree, so hmm. I think that probably had an influence on me. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I like to write a little bit as well. Oh, Love movies. And I, cool. I just kind of like the whole, the whole thing. And what he's so good at is really character development. Yeah. And, you know, in that genre, it's kind of like you take these normal people or not so normal. And then you put them in these crazy situations and how do people react? Um, and some people crumble and then other people kind of rise above. And I think that's, you know, kind of the whole gist of, you know, the majority of books that he writes. And I guess I should add this too, since, you know, we are here in Nebraska, um, Children of the Corn. Yeah. yeah. And then, so that was set here and then the stand. the stand yeah i know there's parts of that and actually i think dr sleep maybe yeah or maybe it was iowa isn't there the one um it just recently got made into a movie a couple of years ago um 19 do you guys know what i'm talking about the jfk book uh no hold the one on. talking about like 1967 or something like that uh hold on a second was it 1922? 1922. Oh, yeah. Isn't that a Nebraska that's one? That's a short story. That's good. They turned that into a movie. It's a great movie. Yeah. Really good. Yeah. yeah Available so. on Netflix. There yeah. you go. I thought you were talking about the one that he wrote about time travel. Oh, and how no, he no, went no. back and tried to stop Kennedy from getting assassinated. No, there's a, a YouTube, uh, a guy on YouTube I follow called uh, Foundflix, and he does. Uh, just strictly reviews he calls them ending explained but he just like whole film synopsis and then kind of explains it a little bit if it needs to be um of mostly horror films and he did this one and i hadn't seen it but i just watched it and looks Mm -hmm. like it's good so but he turned it into a whole movie short i guess stranger things is something i you know i watched last year and i think season three is coming out oh it already did oh it did yeah july 4th I need to watch more. Um, yeah, you I'm do. behind on that too. <laughs> but when I watched that, it was like kind of an amalgamation of all these, you know, like 80s movies, mm-hmm. yeah. which a lot of that was Stephen King. So like I was immediately hooked. Mm-hmm. Like it mm-hmm. reminded me of um, Stand By Me. Yep. You know, yeah. they're on the bikes and they're looking for this body. Yep. Um, and then totally getting off subject here but the cool i guess kind of just circle back you know a lot of his cool books like shawshank redemption is like one of mm-hmm. the most um uh, most televised movies it might be number one it's up there yeah. it's on tv almost mm-hmm. every All the time. day it's, a good one. it's incredible but to circle back on the influence that it had on me i think it probably you know it developed my imagination and i think it did make me more open to things that most people probably don't believe in 
but I'm open to it. And I also get called a conspiracy theorist <laughs> and crazy. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. We can talk more about that in a minute. I feel Tell like me. we're the same person a little bit. We, <laughs> yeah. We yeah, we work right across from each other, but he yeah. gets in work. He gets to work a little earlier and he just throws on his headphones. But I'm like, that guy's cool. Like, world. He's always got cool hats and stuff, but we yeah. never talk. Oh, now, I could bring you guys together. Yeah, for this. I mean, this Stephen podcast. King, super fans, English degrees. Yeah, I think we're. I'm glad Cut I was, from the same cloth. I'm glad Look I was at you. A part of it. Yeah. Um, tell me about uh, Stephen King and Stanley Kubrick. Like, tell me about that. The feud. I'll tell you what I know. Is so in that book that I was referring to, and I can't remember what it's called, but he has a definite disdain for Stanley Kubrick. And Stanley Kubrick. Well, I think Stanley Kubrick said that Stephen King's writing was weak. Mm-hmm. That's, Ooh, that's why he had to change some things. Ouch. And so he didn't even read Stephen King's. Uh, script or yeah he, the, the script the, so yeah. he so in the movie um, there you know you can see that it's uh, you know that the camera angle is from a helicopter mm-hmm. I think they're actually it's supposed to be Colorado but it's Glacier National Park yeah which is like the best scene like <laughs> opening that up is mm-hmm. amazing yeah and he crashed so I can't remember the exact car in the book mm-hmm but he crashed, you can see that there's like a car crash kind of deal where the car's on the side of the road. Mm-hmm. And so right away, Kubrick, it's like a middle finger to Stephen King is like, hey, I'm taking your, your book and I'm going to do whatever the hell I want with it. Oh, and Kubrick interesting. was, his IQ was like off the charts. Like, and he yeah. just made a terrible movie. So he's got, you know, he, he's got a lot to prove. But yeah. basically... He totally took that and did whatever he wanted with it. And so Stephen King really trashed Kubrick after wow. that. And I don't think Kubrick really respected him yeah. at all. Well, well why no, did he want to do his film or his book? I think he just wanted... He had, he had had an opportunity to make The Exorcist, I think, and he passed. So <gasps> I think he just wanted to get in that genre because he would just kind of... Yeah, he was all over the place. Mm-hmm. And I feel like his intelligence level he probably did feel like steve i mean stephen king is not you know he's not a pulitzer prize winning author he's like a pulp writer you know and mm-hmm. he'll say that too uh he writes popular books he's not writing like highbrow stuff right yeah kubrick comes at it at that highbrow like ultimate like layers upon layers like a chess game this like how he makes movies so already it's like battling you know, from one thing to the other and everything that you talk about and anything iconic from the movie pretty much is not in the book. Yeah. Like everything that you remember or would say, like, tell me your two favorite things from the shining. They, they're not in the book. It just isn't there. Yeah. So, like the elevator scene, the elevator it's scene, like, I feel like the biggest one that is not in it. Him chopping through the door and saying, here's Johnny. That's not in there. Um, the Grady twins, they're not in there. Uh, what else did I write down? Um, oh, that what he types out on the typewriter, like his iconic phrase, yeah. that's not in the book. Um, God, what is in the book? <laughs> I think there's, oh, what was it? Well, he, he was writing something totally different. He was trying to write, write a play in the book, and uh, he was supposed to be writing a novel in the movie. Hmm. So just a totally different thing. Um, just even the characters were different. Um, and Stephen King actually had Wendy as a very much stronger character in the book. Yeah, she's kind of weak. She's very weak. She always annoyed me in the movie. Yeah. I look at her and I get annoyed. I don't know why. 
Well, did she's you, a weak character. Did you hear about, have you read or heard anything about Kubrick and how he treated her? They didn't get along. Yes. Like on he purpose. overworked her. Yeah. Yeah. And like he did the, the whole bat scene. Like was over a hundred takes yeah. where she was supposed to come down the stairs and he was supposed to come up the stairs or whatever and they had that battle. Mm-hmm. And I know that they did the act scene um, like over 120 times. Oh my God. Like he would just take after take after take just so they would be so worn down and frazzled just to get that like real that's emotion. Awful. And that's like she hated him forever. And yeah. she that's part of the reason she's like, she says she had this breakdown a few years ago. Do you remember that? She was like, went on Dr. Phil. Yeah. I think and so. That was one of the things that said she like broke her was being treated that way on that movie I believe set. it. She never really did anything after this. No. No, she didn't. And I think that's kind of the cool thing too. What makes the movie so cool is you really blend in the book with the movie and you've got these two different mm-hmm. minds that are involved. So it all kind of blends yeah. together. Yeah, I agree. And it's funny because I totally exclude the miniseries. I do too. I don't even consider it canon even though king was involved with it because that wasn't what i grew up with you know right and it was like probably the reason the shining got so popular i think um is like vcrs was like a thing right you couldn't before that there weren't a lot of movies you're gonna go to the movie right right so that's how it gets to grow a little bit people started getting tapes i had it on vcr tape you know and uh, you can watch it whenever you want and rewind it and pause it and go back and forth and do all that stuff you could never do before and that was right at the time when Nicholson was becoming like a major movie star. He'd, he'd done a lot of like highbrow things, mm-hmm. Chinatown and stuff and One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. But then he became like a box office draw, I think, after this for a while mm-hmm. in the 80s. And I don't know, it set up set up a few careers and crashed a few other ones. So. Yeah, yeah. Wasn't it also kind of off topic, Anthony Hopkins, who did The Birds? Am I making that up? But um, the actress in that movie... Oh, Tippi um, Hedren? Yeah. Like, yeah. had like a fear oh, of birds. Oh, Alfred Hitchcock, yeah. Yeah, Alfred, yeah. Yeah, yeah she Actor, did have a, director. She did have a real fear of birds, so he used real birds yeah. to scare her. There's yeah. something about directors sometimes going too far just to get the result that they want, but it ends up, I mean, it, yeah, it gets the shot or it gets, you know, the yeah. you know what they want, but, you know, at what cost? Like, what, it, what do they have to put? all-time movie. I think is the cost. He was willing to do whatever it took. He didn't care. Yeah. And it worked out. Yeah. I mean, we're still talking about conspiracy theories and I, there's probably a hundred videos on YouTube about what are all these signals and signs in this movie that yeah. probably aren't even really anything, but he just put all that sort of mystique into the movie that yeah. we're, we're still trying to line it up, even though maybe it's just as straight as it plays. Who knows? Eric, you had something to talk about that, right? The documentary? Room yeah, I've watched, I've watched it a few times because I, you know, that stuff's interesting to me, and I've I've read some stuff about Kubrick, and there's obviously like the moon landing, yeah, um, which to your average person just sounds cuckoo, completely yep. ridiculous, but that is, I mean, that that's part of when you talk about Kubrick, that's going to get brought up, yeah, and actually, so Danny in the movie, he's wearing the Apollo sweater, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so. In that documentary, there's a lot of things like that that are just planted in there that unless you're looking for it, you're really going to have no idea. But the room 237, and actually it was room 217, I think, in the book. Yep, it was. They had to change it because the hotel's like, we don't, we don't, uh, you know, people don't want to stay there. They didn't actually have room 237 or vice versa. But there's a lot of stuff in there. 
and there's a whole Tom Cruise thing, and I think Kubrick's daughter had been in like a cult at the time, mm. and he was just, and like we're talking about earlier, this guy's really smart, so he's he can manipulate people, and supposedly he wanted a character that he could control, and that movie does go into like the Tom Cruise, all that Nicole Kidman stuff, which they they got divorced after which. Uh, after uh, Eyes Wide Shut. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so there's the conspiracy with Eyes Wide Shut. That's also Stanley up. Kubrick, right? Yeah. Yeah, because that was the last movie that he made. And supposedly the agreement was that if he did the, the moon landing, whole, you know, faked it, that they could never, that the, probably with, I guess, the CIA, that they could not edit any of his movies. Um, while he was alive, but he died during Eyes Wide Shut, and they did cut out like 30 minutes, and Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman got divorced right after that movie. Hmm. So you've got the moon landing, um, you've got the Holocaust. I think Kubrick, maybe, did he escape the Holocaust, or right after, maybe he was in a refugee camp? Something like that, yeah. So obviously that makes sense. and then you've got the the Indian burial ground stuff. Yeah, the Native American stuff. Yeah. And the cool thing about that that documentary though is they slow down some scenes, which I mean, because Kubrick would think everything up. I mean, mm-hmm. like you said, game of chess, layers upon layers. And when they slow stuff down, you see some pretty cool stuff, and it's in there for a reason. Yeah. So what does the room two thirty seven mean? Isn't that like, if I'm not mistaken? Like, that was, like, the Hollywood room where the moon landing was supposedly shot. Am I right? I'm not sure. See, I I know that documentary. I've only watched part of it. It's been a long time. But I'm glad you brought it up before we started recording this. I'm pretty sure that that room was supposedly where they had said that the moon landing was shot. Not at that hotel, obviously, but, like, that was what the room number was. Mm. But, uh... Interesting. Interesting. Hmm. What is your guys' favorite scene? Hmm. There's a lot of good ones. I like the bar scene. The yeah. ballroom scene. Mm-hmm. And then when he's in the bathroom. And I just feel like they don't... There's not a lot of movies, obviously, that come out now that are just dialogue. And yeah. kind of more just psychological. And just the dialogue is, is great. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's probably, you know, he's starting to drink again, and he's, I don't know, I love that. Well, he was fun and happy in those parts, and he wasn't in any other part of the whole movie, right? There you go, yeah. Like, he always looked like he was just had a cap on his anger all the time, like he was ready to explode. And then when he has that first drink, he's himself and jovial, and, and also, you know, he can be manipulated himself at that point, too. He's kind of, like, unguarded at that, at that moment. That's how I took that. I think my favorite scene is, uh, I don't know, that bat scene's pretty good. I love the maze. The ma- Yeah, the, the ending yeah. sequence is good. I heard that, you know that scene, um, is it Jack who, who witnesses like the fellatio between like the guy in like the dog suit? And, well, it like, depends. I think in the, in the book, Wendy sees that. Oh, okay. But I know what you're talking about. But yeah. isn't that in something else? That scene. I don't know. I thought I had read somewhere. I I might be butchering all of this. I am so sorry, everybody. But I thought I had read that that was like added in, and it was like a 
like some it might just be another Stephen King thing where it's like a shout out to something else mm. but I could be wrong about that I thought I had read that somewhere well I thought I maybe did, one of you knew I read something about that same guy but it was a theory this uh, other film dude had about the movie oh, yeah okay but it was about like this whole movie was um about sexual assault oh that, you, does that ring yeah a bell? that sounds familiar so it was like basically i think his his understanding of what is the clues were basically was that's how it wasn't uh um the dad breaking his arm because he had made a big mess it was more of a like he was drunk and like did something to his kid and that's how he hurt the kid so then danny's like um imaginary friend and all this stuff is happening is his way of like dealing with that trauma and uh his if he has the psychic ability or not is up in question i guess but um if you agree with that then maybe his dad had it too and that's how these things are happening Hmm. at the hotel um they said that i wrote it down because i was kind of thinking about it once i read about that um in the book he's dressed up like a dog in the movie he's dressed up like a bear okay and then there's also when you're in the at their hotel, wherever they were, like in Colorado Springs or whatever before, um, he's got some stuffed bears on his bed. And then at the overlook in his bedroom, he's got, there's a picture on the wall that has some bears on it. And mm. there's a bear skin rug in the lobby of the, of the hotel, the overlook, um, which is just another one of those things that, well, yeah, I don't know. Maybe there's bears everywhere. Maybe it means something and maybe it doesn't. Interesting. I love that kind of stuff where you're trying to see, you know, it's kind of like, the movie Inception, I feel like the more I watch it, the more I learn and the more things you notice. Yeah. Like I love when directors just like put things in there just to like throw you off. Kind of like the ending of Inception, like leaving it up to, is it all a dream or is it not? Well, that's, you know, society nowadays for the most part, I would have a feeling doesn't like that. <laughs> right. Like they that's like, why everybody they like hated everything written the ending out for of you. The Sopranos and like people don't want to think. Like, they don't want to be challenged, for the most part, I feel like. Which is why no one, like, reads books hardly anymore, I feel like. But um, it's very surface. I love movies like that. Yeah. Everything's very surface. Yeah, and that's why a movie like this, for me, I like it so much. And you can go back to it. I've watched, I probably watched this 50 times in my life, I bet, uh, over 40 years. And uh, you'll see something different. I mean, I can hear the dialogue in my head right now. You know, Mm -hmm. like, there's so many great lines from that movie um, that... You know, if you weren't around to know about Johnny Carson, you don't know what here is Johnny even means. Right. You just know it's from that movie. So, Nebraska native. Yeah, right? <laughs> so pretty cool. I think I just, just a masterpiece of a movie. It has nothing to do with the book. You can like them both independently. Yeah. At least that's how I, how I view it. But I did like the book better. It was just scarier, I think. That's what I've heard. Yeah. I've heard. I, there were like slow motion jump scares in this movie, if that makes sense. And like the reveal of the woman in the bathtub. Like, you know, something's going to happen if you haven't seen it before, mm-hmm. you know? And then it's like, as it happens, it's just slowly. And then all of a sudden she's a different person. And it's not like the movies nowadays where just shit's just jumping out at you all the time. And yeah, that's, that's the intention. That's very it, true. To go off what Brian said, <clears throat> and the reason you like it is because there's really, there really are no definitive answers Mm -hmm. and everything in you know the book and the movie is things aren't what they seem Uh, some people have you know you kind of have this like Danny you've got this dissociative personality split 
probably from the trauma. Um, and everybody's dealing with some kind of trauma and everybody's got like a secret agenda in the movie or they're hiding something that I have this, um, I have the shining, but I can't tell anybody, but I can relate to other people. Um, you have an alcoholic that's trying to function, um, you know, as a writer. So nothing is what it seems. And I mean, to be honest, that's real life. And like you said, Mm -hmm. people don't really want to watch movies like that yeah anymore but and there's no there's no answers at the end it's just what did you get out of the movie yeah yeah and it's up to you to kind of come up with your own right opinions i like that i like that a lot we didn't really talk about the mini series that much but um we were talking about it a little bit beforehand um trying to figure out when it came out what's that who started that was it like Steven Weber, I think, from Wings? I remember that guy oh, being it, maybe. Yes. Oh, okay, I remember. But I don't remember yeah, anybody Weber. else. Rebecca Day Mornay. Yeah, in the Rocks of Cradle. Cradle. <gasps> yeah. I'm a fan. Ooh, ooh the Risky kid who played business. Danny was... Uh, like a was famous in, kid, right? He was, yeah, he was in something. Hold on. Um, Ish. Can we talk about Danny's haircut at some point? <laughs> I think I had that haircut. Abs- yes, absolutely. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, 1997 was when it came out. Yeah. On ABC. That sounds right. Interesting. I don't think I watched it. I remember watching some of it. I but definitely like, watched it. It had to have been a rerun. Part. Well, the main, I think in that one, well, like in the book, the whole thing blows up, right? The hotel blows up. Oh. And uh, that's how Jack dies in like a big boiler f- yep. fire. Yep. I think that happened in this one. Because Stephen King was you like, are "You're right. not changing my ending." Um, because so it wasn't. Didn't he like produce it or executive produce it? Let's see. He was very hands on. That had to be rough for him too, because he was trying to outdo Kubrick and just yeah. kind of failed miserably. Yeah, but I mean, just the scope of it. TV movie in the '90s is not. There's no like panache, you no. know. Do a Netflix movie now, probably be better. Mm-hmm. The miniseries is actually shot at the Stanley Hotel. Which yeah. was the inspiration for the film, but the original wasn't shot there. Correct. From Oregon, right? Yeah. Timberline Hotel or something mm-hmm. like that. Which is interesting. I, I Have you been to the Stanley? Place. No, my sister has. I've always wanted oh, to go. Oh, so great. I'd love to go. It is so cool. Is that in Estes Park? Or yeah. Is yeah. Okay. Yep. Is it actually haunted? Supposedly. They say so. I mean, it was, it's been there for a hundred and something years. People used to go there for tuberculosis because the air was so dry and hmm. uh, people moved from the east coast to go there and the guy that built it was he built it for i think for his wife because she had that disease and a lot of people died there and and there's it's right on a rock a big rock so yeah i, I if it's gonna be anywhere it could be there uh i did go on a ghost tour there you did mm-hmm. it was it was pretty neat they nice. had a, you could sit in the bar there and they had a there's a local brewery that's real close and they make a red rum like have you talked about paleo? this on Beer with Atlas before? I um, feel like you have. Maybe. But they had it, yeah, just called Red Rum, and you can drink it right at the, at the overlook. Nice. And they have, a, they have the door from the movie, like where he chomped his head through, and you can take your picture with it. Oh, that's cool. You can like, cool. stand there and do it. That's so cool. That's pretty fun. But that's awesome. I have a framed, go. framed picture of the Stanley in my house. Yeah? Yep. That's oh. how much I like it. <laughs> yeah. That's really cool. You still see a lot of the shining T-shirts around, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's kind of pretty it's iconic. Kind of fun that yeah, it's still out there. I like the. Uh, I mean, when you think of The Shining, you think of that image of Jack Nicholson's head through the door. But I actually like the original cover. 
Which I, one? Let me pull it up. I think, I mean, I mean, of course, the one with Jack Nicholson's great, but... Um, the yellow one? Yeah. Yeah, that's the original, yeah. Yeah, I like that. That was really cool. But of course, it you know, Jack scarier. Nicholson. Yeah, Jack Nicholson. I think my sister actually has that. I had an uncle that collected film posters because... Uh, Ooh, nice. Yeah, my mom's... I think it was her, her mom and dad had a theater or her grandparents. But anyway, so one of my uncles... Uh, he worked at the state capitol, so he we knew he collected stuff, but he actually he actually had a heart attack in the capitol and died. They went over to his apartment, and there's thousands of these just like incredible oh, movie wow. posters. So I actually have quite a, I've got quite a few. And nice. So does my sister, yeah, that's really but cool. But he had, yeah, he had he actually had that yellow poster. I'm pretty sure. Wow. And a lot of Star Wars stuff, but that's for another. Yeah, it's a different story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just think. You know, the one with, through the door is is pretty iconic. But I, I love Jack Nicholson. He's one of my favorites. Um, he's getting up there. He's like early 80s now, I think. Yeah. And he was oh, not old. I don't want to say old, but he was older when he made this. And he's still going, still making movies. Um, but I feel like it really changed what he was like. He, he's never, I wouldn't say he's like typecasted. I mean, kind of. But this movie, I feel like, was like the turning point for like what he started doing. And I just, when you look up images of The Shining, it's mostly just like his face mm-hmm. and like that like soulless look in his eyes, like that he starts to get throughout the movie. So whenever I think of The Shining, I just think of his creepy face and those creepy eyebrows. And <laughs> yeah. And since then, he went on to do, you know. Uh, a lot of mobster movies. The, the Departed. The Departed. Yeah, we, we've great reviewed character. that before. He was great in that. Um, but this, I feel like this film really is just going to, you know, once he eventually passes, is going to be one of the ones that he's best known for. And I agree. Um, it, having not read the book, that it's okay to like one or the other or both. Whenever I do read a book and I know that it's going to be turned into a movie, I always want to go see it. And then you immediately just want to compare and like, well, this was better. Everyone always says the book is better. But I think The Shining as a film on its own definitely stands yeah. pretty strong. I agree. I, I got a couple of little trivia things that, for us because I this is what I like. It's the sure. trivia stuff. Yeah. So uh, the title for the book kind of came from uh, John Lennon's song. Uh Instant Karma is the song, and the the uh, chorus is "We'll All Shine On," and so that kind of stuck with Stephen hmm. King. So that's where the allegedly the title inspiration came from. I I would one hundred percent buy that. That is true. Nice. Um, the other thing I I did a little research because I knew I'd seen it somewhere recently, um, but the carpet mm. in the movie. So that's like a famous like what like a world famous interior decorator's original design for hmm. the carpet. And uh, the guy's last name was Hicks, so it's called Hicks's Hexagon. And uh, it's a shape, and it's pretty iconic as far as interior design goes. They do, um, I guess it's like replicated and duplicated, but it's not original, which I didn't know that was a thing. You could like patent patent patterns and such, but he has that. Um, so there's one place I did some research about in England that makes, that has the okay to make like, replica carpets and rugs that has this pattern and the colors and exactly mm. that. Um, but it's cool in the movie how, like, I think it was used, makes the hallways look longer than they are, mm-hmm. the way that pattern sits. 
And then I know there's a couple of times when he's sitting there playing with his toys. Um, he moves Danny, like they move him to a different hexagon and shoot him back the same way. So it's to your eye. You're like, what, why does that look different? But it was because he actually moved the kid on the carpet. That's cool. So it's just like enough to like mess with you. Uh, but I've seen that somewhere in pop culture recently. I just can't remember where I saw that carpet and I was like, Oh, that's from the shining. That's the carpet from the shining. Um, but I guess it had been around as like a tile. He made it as a tile floor first and then made it as into like a carpet, I guess, application. But um, his son is also a famous decorator and said that um, he was, the dad was friends with Kubrick, but he never worked on a project with him. So it wasn't like an official purchase from this guy or whatever. It was hmm. must have been like some off-brand store that they just went and bought it and put it in for the... Because it wasn't like in that hotel or anything where they shot the movie. Nice. It's that in that scene where he's going on his, what is that? A tri- it's like, like a big tri- wheel or something. Yeah. Big wheel, yeah, yeah. That's what I was looking for. I don't have kids. Yeah. So when he's cruising around on on the big wheel, and that's the other thing about that I love about the movie is that the hotel is the main character. Yeah. Yeah. And the architecture, like they said, it's like impossible. It could not. It couldn't actually look the way it looks in the movie. Like the outside does not match the inside at all, and it's not possible to. And that's that's, that's probably cool. the point is that it like yeah. you know, messes with you. And when you're watching it, I mean, you really, especially I like to watch it when it's cold outside. Mm-hmm. You really feel like you're trapped in there. Yeah. And I read something too where they had to buy like 900 pounds of salt, um, just for the movie set. I'm I'm assuming just because of that maze scene or yeah. Whatever, but uh, yeah, the Ooh. the whole the the hotel as an actual character is, it's cool and a lot of way you know the way they shot it and uh, you know all the spatial positioning and stuff really. Mm-hmm. That's something that he does often. I feel like um, is give life to things that are inanimate. Uh, enough. I don't know if you ever read or saw Rose Matter. Um, I did not. And then there's um, also, um, God, what was the other one? There was a. I think it was it was a book, and then it was like another show on ABC, like a miniseries, um, where the house literally changed shape inside. Like rooms were missing or moved. Um, Stephen King, or yeah, Stephen was it Castle Rock? No, not no. the TV show. This was like in the late oh. nine, like ninety nine or two thousand. Um, golly, I can't think of what it's called, but that was something that was in there too. Just how the interior of a building changed the atmosphere by people that were in it were affected and vice versa. So Hmm. something that he like seems to do cars come alive and trucks (laughs) and yeah, Yeah. all sorts of good stuff with him. I guess my final thought would be if you weren't around like in the eighties, you don't understand how big Stephen King really was. Like there was no internet. There were no message boards. People just talked about it. Like I remember my parents, friends, that's who had the books. That's who subscribed to this mm-hmm. service and had them. And I saw them on the shelf and like talked about books and like that. You never, I mean, book clubs, I guess nowadays kind mm-hmm. of are coming back thing, but that was just the culture. And he was responsible for a lot of good and bad movies to be made off of his things. You know, he wasn't like the director or anything, but mm-hmm. just to have the mind of his like is unbelievable. Yeah. The short stories that he writes are usually some of the best and scariest things out there. Uh, to go from like historical fiction, like at pupil stuff and stand by me to go like 
alien books, vampire books, like just over the gamut of everything that's out there. Uh, fantasy, mm-hmm. even series, like just kudos to him. He's just built like this entire IP of yeah. amazing stuff that I don't think will ever be rivaled or touched. Oh, and imagine I, I all, the, all the people that he's influenced. Other artists. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Well, even but, his son. Have you read any of his son? He's got two sons that write. Really? One of them writes horror. Joe Hill's his name. Hmm. And he has a show on, it was on AMC. It's called Nosferatu. It was about a vampire. Oh. Um, and they've also collaborated on some books, too. So um, it's kind of cool that, and he looks a lot like his dad in the yeah. 70s, which is <laughs> creepy and scary. But um, he's almost, I would say, technically a better writer than his dad. Um, it just is a, um, I wouldn't say a better read, but it's a little bit more sophisticated than Stephen King's style, but. And now he's on Twitter and he frequently tweets at Trump. Oh yeah. (laughs) He's very, he's very vocal. I love it too. Yeah. All right, guys, let's get into our review of The Shining. A Um, thousand. A thousand stars. Yes. All of them. (laughs) Yeah, I think if we want to base it just not on films of all time, but just horror films, yeah. I think I, I I don't give a lot of things a five, mm. but I think <laughs> I think you guys would be embarrassed on what I've given a five before. Oh. <laughs> I give Shrek a five, <laughs> Well, but, but Shrek's great. Um, it did what it wanted to do, right? It was yeah. entertaining. Yeah. It was iconic. It's rewatchable. Yeah. Uh, it has affected culture. Yeah, just by that basis alone. Shrek uh, has done that, and The Shining has done that. I would agree. So fives are okay with me. I think I'd give it a five, too. I mean, I just the direction's great. The story is great. The characters are memorable. It has some good scares. I talk a lot about, um, the, at least recently, with, with reviewing scary movies and uh, horror films, that um, you don't need something that's just blatantly gross or gratuitous or just like a bunch of jump scares like a lot of these films do now anything that really makes you think and like really kind of like shakes you as opposed to just like scares you is what i really like i like to be unsettled yes versus scared that that's a really good word for it it's something that you just keep thinking about after you watch it and obviously we've been talking about the shining for decades Mm -hmm. so it's 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 going to be up there top scary movies of all time so yeah i'm i'm good with the five i'm good with giving the shining a five it's it's a great film and um unfortunately i didn't get a chance to watch it right before this podcast but i think i think i might go watch it maybe tonight i'm definitely gonna watch dr sleep when it comes out i just wish it was this month i can't believe they're pushing it till november but and miss spooky season november 6th is when it comes out i believe so i'll be there i'll check that out would you guys also say a five? Or what are you, what are your official ratings? Oh, yeah, for sure. The movie, as it stands, is amazing, piece of art, uh, and it just happens to be scary. And uh, it's way different than the book, enough that it, you should read the book if you like the movie and vice versa. So, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. Fives across the board, book and movie. What about you, Rick? I would give it a five. I, you know, like Brian said earlier, I've, I watch, I've watched it so many times. And then, you know, because it's always good. Mm-hmm. It's like I don't get bored of it. And that opening scene just gets me all fired up. <laughs> yeah. And the music. to go down. <laughs> yeah, the music's great. Like, the scenery's great. The the acting's good. Although I, I did say um, Shelly Duvall, like, annoyed me. But that was the whole the character, point. Yeah. yeah, that was the, you, you know. know. 
Um, and the fact that, you know, Danny Torrance never acted again is great too because it yeah. didn't ruin, it didn't, yeah, it didn't get typecast after that. Yeah. And right. everybody knows, like, red rap, you know, yeah. they, everybody yeah. knows that. And, um, you know, the ten- he will die as Danny Torrance. Yeah. <laughs> The, the the tension buildup, the character development, it is a psychological thriller and it's supernatural, but it's almost kind of like almost the same thing, but you're not really sure because you're in people's minds. Yeah. Really. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, have to, you kind of have to put yourself in that position too. Like what would happen to you if you were on, you couldn't get leave, you're in a, a building with two people that... You know, that's how families are. It's either really great or really not great, it seems like. And uh, just how that weighs on you in your mind over time. Like, I, I like to think about what would, you know, put myself there, what would happen. I would go crazy. Yeah, I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure that's on purpose. That's how it, you know, that's why it was written there. And it's really cool to think um, St- Stephen King stayed at the Stanley Hotel, right? And that's, that's why it's based, that was where the inspiration came from. Mm-hmm. So it's cool to think that, he he did that. He was sitting in a hotel and he was like, "Man, what would happen if if I put somebody in a place like this and they couldn't get out? What would happen to that person?" And that's where the whole genesis came from. So, mm-hmm. and it's cool. I guess one last thing too is when I when I watched that movie and other movies that I would compare it to, I get to go back in time to my childhood. Mm-hmm. You know, like you got to answer the phone. There's no cell phones. Yeah. Um, people listen to the radio. Mm-hmm. You just had to listen to what... Yeah. Everybody was kind of doing the same thing. Um, and you only had like maybe three stations three on, channels, the, on yeah. the TV. Um, and so when I watch that stuff, I go back into my childhood and... Actually, I would like to go back there right now. Yeah. <laughs> There's just too much going on now and yeah. um, too like many options where... Overstimulation. Yeah, yeah. I, I barely get a read, and like we were talking about, like I just feel like the days fly by. But yeah. when I, you know, we were talking about Stephen King and, and Kubrick, um, they just bring me back to that time, and they're so good at that. So combining those two people into one, yeah. it's amazing, and that's why I would give it a five, and that's why I love that movie. So. Hell yeah! Well, hey guys, thanks for joining me. Thanks for all the little trivia pieces, and just talking about talking about Stephen King. This was fun. Thanks for joining me. And um, to all of our listeners, thanks for listening. Uh, We have one more scary movie left for October. Look out for that one. That one's going to be another classic, I think. I wouldn't say we've saved the best for last, but I'd definitely say we saved a really good one for last. So we'll see you guys next time. Red Rock.